Hello everyone and welcome to Snatched, a Gay Times original podcast. Each week we'll be reviewing the latest episode of RuPaul's Drag Race UK Season 2, dissecting all of the drama and kaflama, and speaking exclusively with the latest eliminating queen. My name is Sam Dampshness and I am the associate editor of Gay Times. Girl, don't you dare undersell yourself. You are the drag race editor, the drag race extraordinaire. I mean, Miss Reddit, Miss Encyclopedia, Miss Wikipedia, they ain't got nothing on you. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and that gorgeous voice you've just heard there is Umar Sawa, our fashion editor at Gay Times, who has styled many a queen for the pages of our magazine and will be giving his critiques on the week's looks, along with plenty more tea, most likely. Umar, are you ready to get into the nitty and gritty of it all? I mean, I'm ready. Are you ready? Oh, oh, oh I'm ready. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. On this week's episode, the five remaining contestants were tasked with writing and performing their own stand-up comedy routines with extra special guest judge Dawn motherfucking French! <laughs> uh, before we go forward, Umar, what is your favourite Dawn French moment? Oh, there's been so many. What comes to mind is the Christmas special of Vicra Dibley <laughs> when she is... Forcing those Brussels sprouts down her garb. I think oh. that comes to mind. I was fully expecting it to be a Geraldine Granger moment, but I... Who's I thought Geraldine the... Granger? Are you, fuck... are, you having a... are you having a laugh? That's her character in The Vicar Dibley. That is what I'm referring to. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I fully expected it to be a Geraldine Granger moment. But then you asked me... Do you not know her character's name? No, I just know her as The Vicar <laughs> Dibley. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. First we have the Maggie Smith, that old granny from Downton Abbey, and now mm -hmm. you don't know. Yeah, so yeah. that's that that's the scene from Vicar Dibley, the Christmas yeah. special. Yeah, I know yeah, I know, but I'm... all I was gonna say was I thought it was gonna be the puddle. <gasps> yeah, I mean the puddle. <laughs> and also all of the all of the the, what was it knock knock jokes at the end of each episode? They were funny. Oh yeah, with, with was it? It was with Alice, wasn't it? The character of Alice. Yeah, rest in yeah. peace. Yeah. Can you believe Dawn French has never won a primetime Emmy award? I obviously I had to do a deep dive into her Wikipedia, you know, stats earlier, and she's never won an Emmy. Oh god, that is just criminal. Sort it out, Academy. Am I right? Sort it out. Yeah. Okay, so I think we can both agree that this was one of the most chaotic and entertaining episodes in Drag Race history. I know I say that a lot, in Drag Race history, but I mean it this week, okay? We had Bloodshed with London versus Scotland. Dirty Diamond exposed Ellie Diamond's love for the D. <laughs> and that lip sync showdown. It was top tier Drag Race for me. It was chaos energy, and I think... <laughs> Me as an audience member, like my emotions are going up and down and all around. Like one minute I'm on the <laughs> floor laughing, all around. <laughs> all around. And so one minute I'm laughing on the floor, like mm. cannot get enough. And then it gets dark and tense with the whole Ooh. Ellie Diamond versus the whole entire workroom. And then I got really passionate and I was like, no. So one minute I'm happy, one minute I'm angry. It was, just, mm. it was just chaos. That's the thing with Drag Race, right? It's not just one genre, all right? You watch, you know, the Born Ultimatum, the Born Identity, and you know what genre you're getting, right? But with Drag Race, it's like 
comedy, thriller, suspense, and at times we've seen sci-fi, you know, with their, with their challenges and whatnot. Mm. You know, it's not just one genre. So I'm with you. I was crying uh, with laughter. And then at the end, I was crying. But that's a story for another time. I mean... <laughs> just, kidding. just kidding. We'll actually speak about that later on, like, taste. <laughs> it's like a dramedy, a tragedy. Mm. I mean, Shakespeare has <laughs> nothing on these queens. Okay? Nothing. Okay? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I feel... I feel like, first of all, right, we have to address what was on RuPaul's motherfucking head this episode. Girl. (laughs) Girl. He looked like... He looked like he stepped off the set of Oliver Twist or something. It was a very... It was a very niche, obscure choice of a a toupee, I must say. Yeah, I was getting very Edna Mode from The Incredibles. (laughs) And a mixture of Jesse J. I mean, what the fuck? (laughs) Not uh, Jesse I, I, J. Not Jess, yeah, Jesse J. I mean, first he paid homage to Ginny Lemon, and this week, bloody hell. I mean, how is this not being addressed? <laughs> At all? It's, oh, God. I mean, you talk about Elephant in the Room. It's on his head. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the Queens have actually, like, turned around to him really seriously and been like, Rue? We could give you, <laughs> we could give you a tip or two. Yeah. We could <laughs> take this week. <laughs> Fuck it out. <laughs> Uh, so what did you think of the mini challenge this week uh, with the butch queen realness to kitty girl extravaganza they all gave? I mean, it set the tone for the episode, didn't it? I think it was the most funniest thing I've ever seen. Like, Really? I th- I was <laughs> roaring with laughter. I mean, the testosterone out of these the queens. What? The testosterone was... I have never in my life heard it pronounced like that. Testosterone. Testosterone. To oh, how do you say it? Testosterone. Oh, so I, I mean, an O and A. What's the difference? But um, all of them looked. I think all of them looked like a dismembered YMC group. What's the name of that band? The YMC band. I don't know. Village people. Village people. Yeah. I thought it was really funny. What did you think about Ellie Diamond taking the win? Right, I've got a lot to say about Ellie Diamond in this episode because I really, mm-hmm. I really loved everything. I felt like this was the Ellie Diamond show this week, personally, and I loved it. I loved it, but with this particular win, I would not say that it was deserved. I think that when they were all performing, I think Ellie's butch kitty girl was the least funny. I mean, that's my personal opinion. I thought it was going to go to Taste or a horror or Lawrence. Or Bimini. I agree. I think taste. I think taste was a standout for me. But I mean, the mini challenges are there to kind of push the narrative forward. So I do think there was elements of producer fiddling in terms of Ellie Diamond hasn't been at the forefront. The conversation of her not being a badge wearer at this stage is pretty high, and I think mm. they kind of pushed Ellie Diamond for the win, just to stir up a little bit of controversy. I mean, we got it in spades. Yeah. With the running um, order. Yeah. I mean, um, you, you do have to look at it from Ellie Diamond's perspective, though, right? Imagine if you made it to the top five, right? And you're surrounded by all these fierce queens, all of which have boisterous personalities and multiple badges, and you've got none. You would feel so insecure. And they're not letting her forget about it as well. Like, it's constantly reminding her. They aren't. And the thing is, with Drag Race, 
anything can happen, right? Look at Evie Oddly. She only had one win by the time she actually won the whole show. She beat Brooklyn Heights, who had three wins. Mm-hmm. And then Priyanka, she was in the bottom two twice on Canada's Drag Race, but then still won, which has never happened before. So I don't understand why there's this narrative of you haven't got a badge yet you're not going to win the whole show because it could still happen. Yeah, and I think with Ellie Diamond, it's really weird on all levels. A, with her not being a badge wearer. But second of all, with... Okay, so let's dive into it. When she is picking the running order. <laughs> I mean, this is Drag Race. Um, I'm not saying she's committing treason or doing any deep-level yeah. espionage with the running order. Espionage. But we all know that, like, it's a competition, so you're going to put your best foot forward. And I think they gave her, like, of all Drag Race history, I've never seen that Mm. much outcry at her decision, especially coming from Lawrence. How do you think Lawrence handled that? I thought it was very heated and unnecessary. I thought it was a bit preposterous, actually. This is, like you said, this is a motherfucking competition, right? Who cares? Right, this is not RuPaul's best friend race. Right, if Ellie Diamond, who won the challenge, wants to put you in that order, that's absolutely fine. And also, if you are so secure in your comedy and your drag, and you know you think you can win, why would you care about going at that number? I don't understand, I don't understand what was wrong with that number anyway. Number four, I I don't get it. I think Bimini had the right view where it's like if your material is strong enough and you've got the chops then one two three or four or five like you're gonna Mm. deliver the performance that you're meant to deliver i think that's what i found really puzzling and a little bit frustrating in that situation where i was like why are you out for blood and this elaborate explanation it's like she's given you the running order she said that yeah she's being a bit strategic with it but just let let her live everyone move on focus on your material and if ahura and lawrence put that much energy into their routine and their script then maybe they would have had a better outcome Exactly. And I liked that Ellie was so upfront and she was like, look, yeah. I've got no bloody badges, all right? I'm being strategic. This is the name of the game. Can we just commend Tace on how well she handled it? She's not a comedy queen. She's not a stand-up comic, right? But she handled that so gracefully, being put in the last place, which is probably one of the, probably the hardest position to go. You know? She took that like a fucking champ. Claps for Tace. I'm going to clap. You clap. I definitely agree. I just think it was a lot of hot air. And I think, was it Bimini who said it at the end of the episode where it's like, it's going deeper than just this? The question of insecurity and being secure, I think like that's the proof where I think Ahura and Lawrence are probably feeling a little bit out of their comfort zone. Ahura is not a comedy queen and Lawrence is a comedy queen, but however, she's tanked. Um, in the Snatch Game, and she's kind of levelling off. And I think their inner frustration, their insecurities, just burst onto Ellie. So there's a lot of projection that was unwarranted. And although Lawrence said later on that she considers Ellie one of her best friends, which kind of shocked me, I think you're right. There's some underlying tension brewing there between Ellie and Lawrence. It feels like there has been all season. And I think Lawrence just took this as an opportunity to finally just pop off on her because she just felt frustrated. Um, because it, 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 didn't, it didn't feel like you should get that angry over something this minuscule. I totally agree. It's one thing to throw shade and be like, 
oh Ellie, you are badgerless. But to kind of hack into her in this way, just to kind of throw off her game, make her feel guilty, I think it was a lot of like, I think it was a lot of mental strategy at hand. And I'm kind of glad Ellie rose above it. She was like, you know what? I did what I did. And on the main mm. stage, even RuPaul was like, you shady bitch, but good on you. Yeah. I mean, I did think she was going to cry at one point and my heart was pouring for her. Yeah, I just thought, her. let her live, honestly. Like, and I feel like with sometimes with people like Ellie, she's quieter than the rest, right? Mm -hmm. And usually when you come into conflict with someone and they're not as boisterous. You see them as an easy, easy target. So I think they knew they weren't going to get it, like, back. They weren't going to get the same. Yeah, and also a horror, horror's comment at the beginning of you, and that was a weird question that Ellie asked, where she was like, oh, did you guys see me in the top five alongside you? I feel like that was quite an endearing moment from Ellie, where yeah. she's just trying to be a part of the pack. And then Ahura was like, yeah, but um, you ain't making it to the top four, honey. I was like, oh, <clears throat> like, why are we kicking Ellie Diamond down so, so down? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. She was quite, <laughs> she shocked me in rehearsal, though. Um... <laughs> Well, rehearsal was just a load of... It was just chaos again. It was just so mad. I mean, Ahura was being crude as hell. I mean, the beep... The amount of beeps we had in this episode. Beep, beep. Like, we couldn't hear fucking anything she was saying. I know. Um, who, who, who knows what her nan said to her? Oh, my God. I want to know. I want to know. Fucking hell. Ahura was a lot in rehearsal. I mean... We saw Dirty Diamond. Oh my that God, what was it? Ellie likes dick. Oh God, I was like, <laughs> what the okay, fuck? Okay, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Who well, I think Bimini did good, she did good in the rehearsals. And then we had Taze's revelation on Beans on Toast, which I think very close to your heart, isn't it? Oh my God, Taze, 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 a queen after my own heart. I've never felt represented like this on television before. You know how much I love Beans on Toast. I eat it every day without fail. And now we've finally got a Beans on Toast stan on the biggest reality competition in the world. So I'm just glad that someone like me is being represented. <laughs> but she stole my routine, actually, if I ever do appear on the show, which will never happen, but you know. Yeah, loved that. I didn't... Uh, with Lawrence, she just kept bringing up the subtitles thing. And um, I feel like we've just... We've heard that a lot. Especially with the rehearsals and leading into the actual stand-up routine as it unraveled. I think the trick is, as queer people, like, we've all got, like, a pep in our step. Like, we all got a bounce in our rhythm. And I feel like if you just take the stage and just breathe and just be yourself and just give a couple of stories or anecdotes here and there, but just enjoy the moment, it comes across really well. And I think that's what Bimini did so good, where mm. it was just effortless. It was just, it was just her in her moment. That's why Bimini delivered strongest for me, unlike a horror and taste, because I think it just came across quite scripted or chaotic. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult one, though, isn't it? Because it's not just regular stand-up where you can have all these topics you can talk about. 
I mean, really it has to be about love. Said. It had love, queer love, sex, relationships, all that stuff. Mm. So imagine what kind of material you'd have to come up with. Would you deep? Would you dive deep into your most embarrassing moments and just like reenact them on stage? You know, tell them to the to the audience, or, or would you make up a character like some of them did? I think I would tell my funny stories. You've got an act for storytelling. I'm not quite as good, but I think what I would do is I would pick my brand. So my brand is astrology. So I think I would yes. get on stage and just talk about past lovers from each star sign. I don't know if I've conquered them all. Who knows? But oh. I would, <laughs> I would oh. go. <laughs> Probably. I would go in that direction where it's like, oh my God, that Scorpio. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I'd be like, oh, that Pisces. Have you ever been with a Gemini? Because you know I'm a Gemini and you like to bring up a lot of stuff about my star sign. Have you ever been with one before? Do you, do I you... don't know. I never really got far enough to ask. <laughs> God, we're making you sound so promiscuous right now, aren't we? But then, okay, so like a Gemini joke would be like, oh, that Gemini made me sit on both his faces. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. For goodness sake. Be like, oh my god, that Pisces, such a slippery fish. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would have oh fun with god. it in that sense. If you preface it right, you can be vulgar, you can be sexual, but then also you have a narrative, you have a script. Do you know what I mean? God, I want to see you on that Drag Race stage. I want to see you bringing up astrology. I, I want to see you. <laughs> I want to see you talking about all insert number here numbers. Oh god, lovers, you got. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would be good in that sense. Like, I think astrology is a good is a good foundation to go for. I think that's the oh, thing. I... I think when it comes to these, ta these tasks, obviously they're designed to throw you off your element if that's not your thing. But I think before going on the show, I think if you have like a template of like, okay, this is my strengths, this is what I'm known for, you can kind of adapt and mould to anything that's thrown on you. And I think that's what God. Bimini did. So I'm proud to see... Proud to see that moment. Yeah. What did you... Well, later on in the episode, we saw Tace opening up about why she wasn't comfortable with this challenge. You know, the whole love and relationships thingy is just not her forte. Mm. She took two coaches to Liverpool to meet a guy and then came down <laughs> with a few STDs. Why are you laughing? I'm nervous laughter. I, ju I just heard some laughter. Oh, nervous laughter. Okay. Why are you nervous? I don't know. Is, is this... <laughs> Hit home. Is this a story that you resonate with? I resonate. I resonate with the beans on toast. Can you re resonate with two coaches to Liverpool and some STIs? Is that is that what it is? I laugh because I thought in my head if Taste has relationship problems where she can't find a guy, like what hope do the rest of us have? I mean, she's freaking gorgeous in an hour drag. I think we've mm. seen such sparkling personality from her. And she has got that warmth and, mm -hmm. like, friendship's really important to her. Like, she sticks up for what's right. She doesn't let things rattle her cage as uh, as it does other queens. So I just laughed because I was like, yeah. I mean, if she's struggling, the rest of us are sitting in a Sahara desert with oh. dry dryness. <laughs> Back to tasting. Yeah, I, I resonate with this again. Because, you know, like her, I'm a gorgeous, gorgeous individual. With so many... No, I'm joking. But, like, you know, that whole thing that she was talking about with, you know, standing there in a club and everyone's getting off with everyone and you're just stood there, like, focusing on your next drink. <laughs> mm. I feel like that's very, very me and you when we used to go out to the clubs and pubs. You know, we would just be absolutely chaotic and that's why we don't find love, Uma. Yeah. God, so I've got really deep here, innit? Yeah, I've got really I mean, deep. I mean, speak for yourself. Uh <laughs> 
Oh, I forgot. I forgot you've conquered the whole fucking astrology chart. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a round that zodiac wheel. So taste opens up about that, and I think Lawrence is a shoulder to cry on in that moment. But how did you think Lawrence fared on the main stage? Because she has that reputation of being the funniest queen in the workroom. She makes RuPaul laugh the most. So then how do you think her performance panned out? Well, we'll speak about that after our gorgeous ad break. And um, after speaking about beans on toast, I'm going to go get me a plate, all right? So we'll be back after this to discuss the comedy stand-up, the runway, and that lip sync. Did you know that Gay Times Plus members get more from the world of Gay Times? <gasps> I did not. Tell me more. They enjoy the full, uncensored episodes of Snatched. <gasps> I mean, us uncensored sounds like trouble, but let's go. We're adding more benefits all the time, and the memberships are available anywhere in the world. And we love an international hunt. So make sure you sign up and join our growing community of LGBTQ plus people just like you. Learn more and sign up at gaytimesplus.com. That's gaytimesplus.com. Click, click. Right, so it's on to the comedy challenge, which is the big one for the franchise, all right? We've had iconic routines from the likes of Jinx Monsoon and Bianca Del Rio, as well as iconic train wrecks from Valentina and Alyssa Edwards. I mean, <laughs> uh, my favourite line is Santino... <laughs> Will you please shut the fuck up with your no drag knowledge mouth? So, <laughs> so I I feel like every <laughs> so I feel like every stand up show has a lot you know some big boots to fill. Also, <laughs> also I can't think of a quote on the top of my head. Who was Green Alexis? I can't remember her last name. Alexis Michelle. Michelle, where she's yeah. decked out as um, Shrek. That was the moment. <laughs> well, no, I think she was doing Alphaba from, from Wicked. <laughs> and also, um, <laughs> didn't Roxy Andrews do like a lisp where she's like, I think she says the words leopard. <laughs> I, I think her drug persona was lettuce something, but she had a heavy lisp. Oh, that was Tasha Salad. That was... um. Yeah, that was All Stars 2. That was brilliant. I fucking love that. <laughs> Just by that conversation, it's it's actually the train wrecks who are hilarious without yeah. intending to yeah. be hilarious that are memorable. So I think we definitely saw that with this episode. Yeah. So you take the wheel, honey. You you tell <laughs> me what you thought. A horror. Oh my god. I mean, we have seen some some things throughout Drag Race's 13-year run, but fucking hell, this. <laughs> This what she gave us so many iconic quotes. The young, dumb, and full of cum, and then all the beeps, which you know we'll find out from the nan later on. Um, and obviously she kept saying my nan was so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and that bit with the anal where she was yeah. getting into the bath oh. and easing her way in. Jesus Christ, this was just pure filth all the way through. I mean, I I couldn't stop watching. I I was laughing the whole way through though. And the judges were laughing, so I was kind of confused about her critiques later on. Throughout the whole segment, what I loved about RuPaul, I think we were all RuPaul in that moment where our eyes are like, what the fuck is happening right now? But it's mm. just so chaotically funny. And then you have... Yeah. Following the horrors, anal, nan, 
debacle, you have Dirty Diamond. Dirty Diamond. Yeah. Can I just say, though, right, this this bit made me die, right? When Ellie Diamond said that Ahura was fabulous and then it cut away to Ahura, <laughs> fuck, she looked livid. You know the bit in Kill Bill um, when every time the bride encounters a new foe and the, the eyes go red and it goes, yeah. <laughs> that was what I saw in Ahura's eyes. That was just pure hatred. <laughs> It was a tense moment. It was tense. <laughs> but at least we know now that Ellie Diamond loves dick. Oh, just like my penis! <laughs> it was just the way she squatted and became demented. <laughs> I mean, I think it was, I lived for it. All the queens and the judges are pestering her on like, step outside your comfort mm. zone, change it up. And I think she gave us versatility and demonic spirituality in that moment. So, she did good. Drag Race meets The Conjuring, honestly. I, I couldn't believe it. I was just so discombobulated throughout the whole thing. But everything she said just made me die. You know when she said, like, oh, I asked the guy if he wants to see me again. And he goes, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I think it had all the ingredients to be something memorable. I do agree with Alan Carr's comments where it's like, I think it was Michelle or Alan where she, they were like, it just needs to be finessed a little bit. I think it would have been so funny if she was just speaking casually and then it was as if Dirty Diamond was like possessing and coming out of her and she was trying to suppress it. I think that would have been, yeah. I mean, I'll be asking for too much intelligent humour there, but I think that would have been funny to see if there was like a yeah. internal struggle between Dirty Diamond and Ellie Diamond. I think if she just took a moment to breathe, yeah. Yeah, to breathe. Because it looked like she was just so out of breath. Yeah. Like, just on a fucking marathon. Did you notice that? Like, she was proper, like, gasping for words by the end. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I found it very humorous. On to Bimini. So Bimini did very well. You were raving about her earlier. What did you think? The thing is, I think Bimini wasn't... I mean, we weren't laughing at Bimini for the wrong reasons. So I think... After following Ahura and Ellie Diamond's chaotic mess, which was hilarious to see, Bimini started the show and everyone kind of followed that mm. kind of rhythm. I think Bimini would have shone brighter in her segment and then also taking the win. Because yeah. I think Bimini, I think she did take the win for valid reasons. And I think she was funny. She gave us the whole intellectual humour that she's known for. But because we're not laughing mm. our heads off in a crazy way, it felt a little bit flat, but that's not a reflection on her routine, if that makes sense. No. Yeah, you're right. It was definitely more constrained and felt like an actual proper comedian stand-up routine because her delivery was brilliant. It's just like you said, after coming after two horny dinosaurs, like fucking Ahura and Ellie Diamond, it was just, like you said, it felt like really... It was more deadpan mm. as opposed to proper like... <laughs> Dick. Mm. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and then after Bimini, we have Lawrence in the fourth spot that she hated so much. Mm. I thought Lawrence, she started so funny with the camel toe commentary. Did she? Yeah, I thought the camel toe joke was funny. And I think she had the attention from the start, which I think is the hardest part. But then I think it was Bimini where she was like, Lawrence, where is the punchline? Like, you're running around the houses now. Like, where is the joke? 
in the words of Trinity the Turk, where are the jokes? Where are the jokes? Where are they? I mean, they sucked up her camel toe, probably. Uh, oh, no. um, <laughs> yeah, Lawrence was a bit underwhelming for me. The thing is with Lawrence, right, she is the most naturally funny entertainer of mm. them all, right? She, if you went for a drink with Lawrence, you'd be on the floor dying with laughter, right? She just, she just got it. She's naturally hilarious. But as we've seen from Snatch Game, when it comes to rehearsed funniness, she can't pull it out the no. bag. And I think this was another case of that. I mean, we've seen it with other comedians before. And I'm going to go as far to say, out of all of the routines up on that stage, I found this the least funny, personally. But like... Dawn French said she does have a natural warmth and energy to her that people just gravitate to. So I enjoyed it. I enjoy Lawrence. But out of all of them, this was the least LOL. No, I agree. And it's a shame because I feel like, that's what I said. I feel like if I was on that stage, I feel like I'd be myself. Like, I feel like I'd put this voice on and I would just say whatever I... What voice? Go on. Well, this, me this voice, voice. The voice I'm... <laughs> this, this voice. voice. This gorgeous voice. Yeah, I feel like I would just be myself and just... So, like, the way Lawrence is in the workroom and when she's interacting with RuPaul, I thought she should have just brought that energy because sometimes you don't need a script. Just be yourself. Like, just throw it out there. And I think anytime there's... Yeah, but look at what happened with Jasmine Masters on All Stars 5, right? Or four all stars four sorry when she went up there and she was like i'm not gonna rehearse and then she just, <laughs> she, just she just started talking about you know dick breath and thought it would land and it again that was hilarious but it was um it was not what the judges <laughs> wanted no. so i do i do think there has to be an element of preparation obviously for a stand-up yeah. routine um i just don't think it all has to be so rehearsed i think you should just put points down and then just speak like for lawrence especially speak normally just talk about you're coming out. And also, I feel like, I know this wasn't a classic roast. Only some of the queens really interacted with the judges and, like, shaded them. And I would have liked to see more of that because I think that's how you win. That's how you win Michelle and RuPaul over by, like, shading the hell out of them. And I feel like there wasn't that much interaction. And then who would have thought that Ellie Diamond would have... <laughs> <laughs> would have caused that kind of reaction from a horror. She didn't even say anything shady. Imagine if she did say something shady after all, that whole debacle over the running order. What Aura's face <laughs> looked like. Uh, yeah, imagine she said something like, yeah, that's why I put you on the first, oh! <laughs> on the first spot, honey. Obviously, you spoke about your beans and toast, fanatical love, that taste delivered. How do you think the rehearsals manifested onto the actual performance for Taste? Well, I think Taste did a fantastic job at advocating for bean lovers everywhere with her description of her meal. Mm. So she had my back with that. But then she did kind of lose me with her alphabeti spaghetti. I thought, just stick to one tinned food. And then also when it was like, oh, that's a story for another time. I'm like, honey, the time is now. The time, the is, time now. is now. Like, oh, like, just say it. But she did great physical comedy when she was like gyrating the stage thinking about beans on toast. She should have bought a can of beans on stage and just smeared it all over herself or something. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go... Yeah, but we don't know what that workroom is like when it comes to food. I don't know. You know, Jasmine's masters had to smuggle some bread in. So we don't know... <laughs> You know, we we don't <laughs> we don't know what it's like when it comes to to their groceries. Oh God, sounds like um, sounds like warfare. So after seeing all five presentations, who did you think were going to be in the bottom two? Personally, 
Because I think, for me, personally, it was Lawrence, for me, and Tace. I do, I do think, yeah, I think it should have been Lawrence and Tace, personally. Um, even after Tace's Beans extravaganza. Actually, no, I'm taking her out of the bottom two because she, she talked about Beans on top. I agree. I think, for me, it's weird. I would not put Ellie Diamond in the bottom three. I think I would have had... I don't know how I would have called it. And I think it does partially involve the runway, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But I do think Lawrence, Ahura and Taste for me, were the bottom three for all different reasons. I think Ellie Diamond made, made us laugh. So I don't understand how she landed in the bottom three. She made them all cackle so hard. I actually think this was one of the most... The funniest moments this season. But then again, were we laughing because it was funny? Or were we laughing because we were so taken aback? Yeah, I agree with you. I think I would have put Lawrence in the bottom three category. I think for me, Ahura, Lawrence and Tace, I think all three of them, for whatever whatever reason, which way or when, I think they were the weakest, I think. I was surprised Ellie Diamond landed herself in that position because... Like, she made us roar with laughter. And also, we're going to get to the runway. But then, I feel like they were nitpicking her look. Because on the critique, Michelle was like, I can't fault this. This is perfection. This is amazing. And then, in the judging deliberation, Michelle was like, yeah, it was the weakest look on the runway. So I was like, are they trying to pick a flaw with Ellie Diamond to justify her being in the bottom three? Yeah, see, I want to go as far to say that Ellie provided us with one of the funniest moments this season. Um, but then the thing is, were we laughing because it was genuinely funny? Or were we laughing because we were so perturbed by what was going on? Like, what what was it funny? Or was, was it just funny because Ellie Diamond is not like that and she was spouting uh, love and passion for Dick? Like, is that the fun? Was that the funny? But th- the thing is, if it's all laughter, does it matter? We were laughing. Stand up. Did the job, right? And that's on period. That's on period t- with a T. Period T. Okay, so for this week's runway presentations, the queens were tasked with providing stoned realness. I think this was one of the strongest runways we've seen because I don't think any of the queens look mediocre. I thought they all looked bloody gorgeous. The level of fashion was jaw-drippingly phenomenal outstanding a horror took dripping to another level i just think it was just i think it was just beautiful i think ellie diamond with her yeti get up she gave me what i wanted also those boots yeah and i like that it wasn't in pink yeah for the first time on the runway i know i mentioned it in the past where i'm like we never really see ellie diamond's face this episode it kind of clicked for me, because we saw her in the red get up, we saw her in the white get up, and I was like, we can see the Ellie Diamond kind of coming through now in the drag, which I think was really nice to see. Then we had Taste again giving Mugler the most beautiful she's uh, ever looked, I want to go as far to say. And also, do you know what it is? It's like, I think when it comes to the runway, like Mugler and Jean Paul Gaultier and all these designers are always referenced time, time again. And I think for me at this stage, like the metallic kind of body armor and, you know, jewels all over the body, I'm a little bit tired of it. But I really wasn't on this episode because I thought all of them just looked phenomenal and they just, they gave a new lease of life into that kind of aesthetic. And then we had. 
Yeah. Lawrence and Bimini, who both took it in very different directions. We had Lawrence who looked... We had pink. We had a pink dildo, and then we had, in Bimini's words, Shirley from EastEnders. <laughs> Lawrence gave me, like, a Pepto-Dismal... No, Pep... No, Pepto-Dismal! That is... <laughs> what? So, you know the word... What is it? Pepto-Bismal. The, Pepto. the medicine, but I was like, Pepto-Dismal is actually oh. quite a, sh a, a shady plan. But anyway, <laughs> she gave us, um, she gave me Diamond Pink Barney, which we love to see. And then I think Bimini, mm. Acne, and was she giving stoned as in like meth head realness? I don't know. Maybe she's, she's got acne because she's stoned. I yeah. don't know. I think her version was just so unique, outside the box. and. I think yeah. I love seeing that with Bimini. We've seen it time and time again. She doesn't go for the obvious. And I think that look, even though it was ugly chic, I think it was amazing. I mean, how do you make acne fashionable? I mean, this is the power of drag this queens. This is the power right? of Because that was breathtaking. Breathtaking. I mean, I don't want to say I was right all along, Uma, but the thing is, I was right all along when I stated in one of the first three episodes that she is the fashion she's queen. She's the fashion queen. And she's got the face of... She's got the face of Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good comeback. That was good. So then, as the runway wraps up, we are left with the bottom two, which is Taste and a Horror, which I... Well, no, no, no. L let's go to the workroom, Uma, because <gasps> oh, yeah. there was a lot more drama there again. I mean, a horror. I don't think I've seen a queen this raging <gasps> ever. Scary. I thought there might be fisticuffs, but no, I, I don't think they would go that far. This isn't a... I um, was I was kind of disappointed because I feel like, obviously, we've gone on this arc with a horror and, like, we've seen her kind of redeem herself and her, like, cutting shade has been kind of softened up as the episodes go on especially now that she's in the bottom two i just felt like it was very intense and very uncomfortable and i think it was i thought it was a bit extreme when she said to ellie i can't stand yeah you she said she couldn't even look at her that was really just a bit Ugh. and then lawrence chiming in and it just became very toxic and i just obviously it is a show it's entertainment i'm not gonna lose sleep about this and i don't think anyone anyone else should but in that moment i was just like both of you are just very insecure with your own performance like just call a spade a spade like you just didn't do good you feel very on edge you feel like the curtains mm. are closing on your time on the show don't project it in such a volatile way to Ellie Diamond when she's already given you. And also, especially after she justified herself, but also after RuPaul has given her the good on you, like, I would have done the same, it's a competition. Mm. I just felt it was really uncomfortable. And also, we don't know what happened in that mm. moment, but I wish Bimini or Taze would have just done a Heidi in the closet and be like, Everyone shut the fuck up. Like, I'm worrying about Heidi. Yeah. I really wanted that kind of moment where someone just cuts the bullshit in half and just puts an end to it. And um, unfortunately, we didn't get to see that. But I think Ellie took it on the chin and she was like, well... Well, I don't think she should have backtracked. I was, I was like, disappointed in the fact that she said, oh, look, I probably did make a mistake here. I think she should have stuck to her guns and look, been like, look, I won the mini challenge. This is how I've done it. Get lost or go fucking home. Stop shouting at me. This is Drag Race. 
stop coming for me. I wish she stuck up for herself a bit more then. But when you've got Hora and Lawrence, two massive, massive personalities, literally like coming for you in every single way possible and you've got no one in your corner, I don't blame her for sitting there and having tears in her eyes. Yeah. I don't blame her at all. I felt so bad for her. I just wanted to jump through the television and give her a hug. But again, this is Drag Race. We love the drama. We love the conflama, right? So it was good for us to watch at home on our sofas. <laughs> so Bimini won the challenge, which didn't come as a surprise following her main stage critiques. However, I I don't... Yeah, do you want Joe? Yeah, she did deserve it. But like we said earlier, Ellie should have been bottom three. It, it, that was a travesty. Because the way they did it, it seemed like Lawrence would have been really high mm. with Bimini. Did you notice that? Like, Bimini, Lawrence, and it was like, oh, who's going to win? And I don't think Lawrence should have ever been put in that position where she could have been announced as the winner. Yeah, that was weird. Right, so this was the moment we were all dreading, um, but we foresaw it was going to happen, right? Ahura and Tace up against each other in the bottom two. The producers know what they're doing, right? They knew that we were going to be gooped over this. Mm-hmm, bestie versus bestie. I mean, it's a drag race trope, but mm-hmm. it always delivers the drama and the tears. Exactly. Raven and Jujube, look at that. Very tearful mm. moment. And did you see how Aura had tears in her eyes before the lip sync even begun? I know. I think, do you know what? I think Aura, I mean, she was, she had so much pent up emotion from Untucked where, and all the drama and conflama that happened earlier on. I think that kind of final verdict, I mean, it's enough to send a girl off the edge, isn't it? So. But do you know Those. what Ahura has given me the most tears this season out of everyone, I would say. Mm, would, like, yeah. good tears, because of obviously her 100% Essex routine, which I thought was hilarious, and then her sing-sang song <laughs> bit, and then she made me actually cry, like, sadness um, during this moment. So, bloody hell, Ahura. She knows how to get our tears working. She does. Um, <laughs> and I, but then it's interesting you mentioned the Raven and GGB thing, because mm. I, I thought it was going to pan out that way like when they were looking at each other Ahura had tears in her eyes I thought it was gonna go along the lines of like they just throw their gauntlets and diamonds down and just hug each other and then RuPaul's gonna come in and be like no one's going home it's a double shantay but unfortunately we didn't see that happen well, I don't think they had the chance to provide us with a double Shantae-worthy lip-sync because of the song choice. Okay, I'm not dissing mm. Dusty Springfield or You Don't Have to Say You Love Me. It's an iconic song, right? It's one of those songs where um, you know it when you hear it every single time because of that iconic chorus, right? But who in the hell is deciding these lip-sync songs, Umar? Where's the Sugar Babes? Where's the Atomic Kitten? Where's the Girls Aloud? Where's the Samantha Mamba? Do you know what I'm saying? <gasps> Samantha Mamba, no, you didn't. Oh my god, that's true. I mean, yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, I would love a bit of Sugar Babes round round or something to just, just like bring me, push the button, anything. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it was such a rogue choice. I didn't really get it, and also I just feel like the episode was so chaotic and it was up and down, and everything was yeah. just on full throttle mode and i think that song just kind of flattened the energy it became very somber and serious and i mean i think both of them did a really good job 
I think both of them tapped into the dramatics of the song, gave us emotion, gave us a crescendo, you know, kind of, they, they, they built a narrative with it. But yeah, I didn't think it was the best song choice, especially for two queens that have such dynamic personalities and they could have riffed off each other and delivered the dance moves. I think it was a missed opportunity. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get taste, a dancing queen, right? And put her in the bottom twice in one season and you're going to make her do obscure ballads. Where is the thinking? Where is, I just, I can't. Give, get get some mystique even. I want some scandalous mystique, you know. Oh oh my God, girl, I feel like you need to break into that BBC studios and, you know, hijack that playlist because you're coming up with really good suggestions. I know, I know. You go, girl. I know, (laughs) (laughs) But at the end of that, I do think that taste kind of reigns supreme. Just a little bit. It was a bit of a... Like, they both kept up with each other, right? But I do Mm. think that taste embodied the emotion and pure heartbreak that the song conveys. Um, Do you agree? What do you think? I I do agree. I think, again, like, you can't help... You can't help the material being given. So I think both queens did a good job. But yeah, I think taste, you know, her standing at the front of the stage, keeping it composed, giving strong eye contact. I think those little touches really sealed the deal with her win. So yeah, I'm I'm glad that taste took the win. I mean, yeah. it is her third time in the bottom two. Yeah, and it, usually I, the statistics work out in the other queen's favour. For example, like, Tace is her third time, she's only won one challenge. Aurora's won two, and this was her first time in the bottom. So usually going into a lip sync like this, you do kind of think that the queen better statistics will be the one to stay. But do you know what? RuPaul said no, honey, no. Yeah, I think it's at that stage of the competition where I think everyone's kind of given as much as they can give, and now is the final stretch where you bring it all together, and you have those, like, big challenges where it's singing, acting, dancing, all of that stuff. And I think Ahura's kind of shown the best of her. So, yeah, maybe it was her time to sashay away. Think how good she would have been in next week's challenge. She she would have been perfection. I mean, bubbling in the fridge. Oh, my God. (laughs) Bubbling in the fridge? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I feel like the Essex in her would have made... A return and that would have been amazing to see but yeah but it's a it's a really hard one because we we love both of them and yeah. it's like picking your favorite child you can't do it it's you know <laughs> it's sophie's choice we just don't want to go there yeah exactly right well i spoke to ahora as per usual and you know what Emma? this was a really juicy interview because she gave me lots of information about what happened on the main stage to do with her performance and what didn't make the edit it was really juicy. Mm. It was really juicy. Okay, you're gonna enjoy this. Um, here you go, guys. So, how did it feel to lip sync against your bestie in the competition? I mean, I saw it coming. You know, it's kind of those things in Drag Race where, when you're there, you can sense that. You know, we all know what as gays what kind of drama we live for, and we all like to see a best friend fight against a best friend or a lover against a lover for, for so say. So I felt it was coming, but like in that moment, I felt confident. I thought, you know. This bitch is lip sync more times than me. I've got more wins than her. I was mm. like, I've got this in the bag. And I thought, if, if the worst comes to, it'll be a double save. No, I went home. 
Yeah, I was fully expecting maybe the statistics would work out in your favour. Um, yeah, me too. I mean, when she got back from Drag Race, uh, what was that reunion like between you both? Because obviously you lived together and you were at home first. So when she came back later on, what was that like? Because <laughs> I was so close to the finale, I stayed at the hotel, so the next time I saw it was um, the finale. Oh, okay. So I don't want to tell you what happened. Obviously, you'll see it on telly. But it was weird. It was hard to yeah. come back home to our housemates to tell them the news. Like they were like, "He's like, I mean, it's the fall." Everyone's like, "Yeah!" So then I'm like, "But I didn't." <laughs> but I went home. So I, I assume your friendship has conquered over that one little lip sync, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, we sat and watched it together last night, and you know, we laughed about it. You know, she was like, "Girl, you know, she's a lip sync assassin." I probably performed a handful of times it's not my thing so she was like girl you gave me some good competition she was like you you was running for my money do you know what I mean so I, I I was happy with it you know I felt like I did a good job I looked great I left looking gorgeous that's all that matters to me babe you really did you looked absolutely stunning and you said on Twitter that you went off the stage came back and said the iconic who's done a shack yeah so as I went off I was like in a world full of hoes <laughs> be a horror and I walk off and they were like ah like this clapping then I come back and I went which one of you says had a fucking shit and not flushed their toilet and Lawrence Cheney went well it weren't me and I went well it was one of you and I looked at RuPaul and goes disgusting and then went off and they didn't use it I was fuming oh why did they cut that <laughs> you also said they cut a bit on the main stage where the Queen said who had to go home. I mean, I've, I think I've stirred the pot a bit here, haven't I? Shit stirring all the leaks. But yeah, they didn't use it. We were all <laughs> sat on the stone stage and RuPaul went, girls, I have a question for you tonight. Who should go home and why? And we all answered the famous question. And that's why I think it was so heated in Untalked because, you know, we'd all had that, pr that prompted to us. So, um, you know, when people are attacking me and Lawrence online and stuff like, yeah, we're, we're, they're, in our, they're in their right to attack us. You know, we were quite spiteful towards Ellie, hands off. You know, we're in our feels. It's, it's a competition. You get heated. But, you know, it was more because of that, because, you know, that does get your blood going. And it does. It's one of those pressure cooker moments on, on the main stage when you hear that question. So that is why we're all rivaled. And we're all a bit like, for me, they're a bit like, you know, everyone a bit delirious. And it was it was a hard one that week. So which queen said your name to go home? Because you said there was one queen, right? This is me stirring the pot now. <laughs> Everyone said the same name except for Ellie Diamond who said me. That's right. all. Which doesn't make sense, considering you had two wins and no bottom placements well, at that Well, if you point. look at the statistics, so, as of last week, I had the highest track record with two wins and never been in the lips, you know, or in the bottom. So I think I was a ball, it was me, Bimini, then Lawrence, Ellie, and then Tate as a track record. So of course the same mean, I'm the front right. one <laughs> <laughs> and like you said you and Lawrence were quite furious with Ellie throughout the episode and um, it was just great entertainment no like I don't understand why people are criticising you online because this is what we like to see we like to see the drama this is the thing it's like you know episodes one to three or four I was you know I was causing the drama being the reality TV queen and people were hating on me for it so then when I, when, it, when it's died down I took a, a step back and let the girls have it out and nothing was happening then I'm, I'm, I'm being accused online for being fucking boring. It's like, what do you want from me? You know what I mean? But no, um, it was, I, I mean, I live for the drama and I love, I love to sit there and, you know, have those eye roll moments with the straw. So I live for it. I mean, I've screenshotted the um, 
the image of you. You know, when Ellie Diamond says, wasn't a horror fabulous and you're sat there and you have daggers in your eyes. It's so iconic. <laughs> I mean, there we go. <laughs> Watching it back, do you feel the same way as you did in the episode? Like, do you still feel angry or? No, it's, 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 it's a weird one because it's like, again, I don't know what I can say and can't say because it's like we did, I did the stand up, came out, did my full set. And then they said, oh, your mic wasn't working. You can do it all again. So I did it twice, whereas everyone else did it once. So I already, in that moment, was right. like, so that's when I kept stumbling. I was like already thrown off by it. So it's like, it's hard to watch it back out of frustration. So I was like, I felt like I was at a disadvantage with everything. But as I watch it, as mm-hmm. I sat of it now, and I was I was blaming every, every other thing for it. But, you know, when I watch it back now, I'm like, in a day, mm-hmm. I was crude, I was rude, I was vulgar, and I slayed. So it's fine. <laughs> You know, I mean, the judges were living for yeah. it, um, even with the censored bit. I've seen the video circulate, circulating online of the censored bits and it doesn't even feel that crude. Yeah, I mean, someone accidentally leaked what I actually said, which I, was, I wasn't aware of. But, um, you know, we move, we roll. Yeah, I mean, it's, it wasn't that bad, but I think it was more because of, you know, my family who watched the show and um stuff like the show wanted to be respectful to my family because you know my nan didn't want people being talking all over all over online about you know her genitalia or whatever's going on down there so i think that's why it was done you know it's just I was more out of respect for my, my family it wasn't really a, a, like the bbc or anything like that it was iconic because every beep that happened made me laugh more because I, I was like, what the fuck yeah. is going on? I mean, I, <laughs> I live for it. You know, we had eight, we had to do a full eight minute set and you saw probably 40 seconds of it. So there was so much more to it. Lawrence's was hilarious, but you didn't show all of that as well. But, you know, but it was it was a clear run watching it that Bimini had it in the bag. Like the way she was just landing and it was very spot on so you know it was it was a great show I mean I I got mine out of the way first and I sat there and enjoyed the whole thing with popcorn and just watched people bomb that shady editing room I mean <laughs> it just makes you think what are we not seeing that's really interesting because both elements of that a her having to redo her whole routine and also the whole who should be eliminated question which is like a drag race golden moment like we even though it's a tired old trope we love to see we love it it gives us so much drama that's that's quintessential rue getting that wooden spoon out and stirring (laughs) it up because that moment where she said, I don't even want to look at you right now, Ellie Diamond, it did feel like it came out of nowhere. I mean, we knew she was yeah. angry from the episode that Ellie put her in that position. Um, but then it would have given more context if we saw Ellie Diamond say a horror's name. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would have loved to have seen her face boil as Ellie said that. Like, why did we see it? And also it makes me think, who did the other queen say? And all that stuff. So mm. yeah, that's, I mean... We we deserve like a bonus episode of all the deleted footage. Yeah. But also, I went on the on the Drag Race Instagram, and they, I mean, you would love this. They revealed an extended clip of the beans on toast gag, and then oh. Dawn French explaining how to make the best beans on toast. And it was really weird. It was like breaking the fourth wall, where like oh. the judging panel and the queens, their interaction just felt. It felt more nuanced and oh. relaxed, and I would love to see more of that going forward. Oh, okay. Well, I'm definitely going to watch that Dawn French clip and not yeah. listen to a thing she says because I make the perfect beans on toast, obviously. But that would have been a nice layer um, 
to the episode. Well, to hear the full unedited interview with Ahura in which she spills the tea on her relationship with Ellie Diamond and Sister Sister discusses the fan reaction online, as well as all of her exciting upcoming projects, sign up to Gay Times Plus now. On next week's episode, the final four queens will star in Beastenders, a parody of EastEnders, obviously, and the one and only Natalie Cassidy, the iconic Sonia Fowler from EastEnders, will make a special guest appearance to judge the queens. Uma, say sayonara. Oh, sayonara. Sayonara. Snatched is a Gay Times original podcast. Subscribe and listen to more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure you're following at Gay Times on all major social media platforms for the latest LGBTQ plus news, culture, and entertainment. Loved this episode of Snatched? Be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Finally, make sure you check out Gay Times Plus, our membership platform for everyone in our community. And remember, you can find more information at gaytimesplus.com.